Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed. I want to first off start off by thanking my sponsors, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Without them, I wouldn't have a show. Today, we got a really interesting show. And my guest today is Toby Milden. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's correct. Good deal. Uh, and he's going to be talking about diversity and equity. But what I really like and the reason I wanted him to have on the show is because he's from the UK. And I think we all know that different countries have different cultures. And understanding diversity and equity from another country's perspective is a way our show actually uh, promotes diversity and equity because we're not just simply focusing on U.S. diversity and equity. Um, so why don't I just start off the show with a simple question. When we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the U.K., what does that mean and how does that compare to maybe the same question in the United States? Yeah. Um, well, hi, Evan. Thank, thank, firstly, thanks for inviting me along. It's great to, great to meet you. Um, I think the the kind of the definition of diversity, equity, and inclusion um, between the UK and the US is actually really similar. Um, I think you know we 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 have similar sort of cultural values, and the reason why we talk about the the three uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is because we need all three in order to create a fair society. So. We can have a diverse workforce, um, but not score very highly on inclusion. Um, or you can have a, you know, a homogenous, not particularly diverse workforce, but score really high on inclusion because everybody is coming from a similar background and you get into that kind of group think where you, you know, you think that you kind of know one another really well. Um, so the definition is is quite similar, and when I when I do kind of workshops with with clients, one thing I do want them to understand is that diversity includes everybody. I think there's sometimes a misunderstanding that that diversity is uh, about a particular group of people over there somewhere at arm's length. That it, that diversity isn't anything to do with me. Um, and the problem with that kind of thinking is that we then don't start to develop those those kind of allies that we need to have in the workplace to create uh, fairer, more inclusive, more respectful work environments. So in terms of definitions, first of all, diversity includes everyone. We are all diverse. Uh, we all are different we've all got different lived experiences different perspectives that we can bring to the party um, inclusion is really about enabling us to contribute as fully as practically possible and then equity which is my favorite is about making sure that you kind of take a, an individual approach that you give the individual what they need in order to thrive rather than just treating everybody the same um, and uh, because, yeah, treating everybody the same is, is not necessarily actually uh, a fair way of, of treating people. Well, I really uh, 
want to just compliment you on pointing out that diversity is everybody and everyone is part of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there, first of you, the first, and this is probably my seventh or eight episode on this topic because it's a passion topic for me. Mm. Uh, I think you're the first person who's ever expressed it that way. And the reality is everyone's unique and everyone is different. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really like that. Yeah, the, of... Sorry, the, the analogy that I use um, is that it's a bit like an iceberg. So you can see 10% of the iceberg poking above the waterline. And these could be our visible characteristics. So, um, you know, if you met me in person, you would see that I'm I'm white, that I'm I'm male, uh, that I, I I'm in a wheelchair, that I've got a physical disability that's visible. Um, the, these are kind of the characteristics that are above the waterline. But actually, there's 80 percent of our characteristics that are hidden, invisible beneath the waterline. Uh, and these can be protected characteristics under equality legislation. So it could be our sexuality, for example. Um, it could be whether you have an invisible disability, uh, like a, um, yeah, neurodi a neurodivergent condition, for example. Um, or um, it can be things like whether you grew up in the city or the countryside, whether you're an introvert or extrovert, um, whether you were privately educated or went to public school. So these these are all attributes that that make us unique individual human beings that that shape our outlook on life really well said uh really well said and and you know it's interesting because i think people do judge people like a book judge is judged by the cover yes and absolutely <laughs> when you actually get to know somebody they become really interesting and, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's easy, I think, for people to look at people and assume that person has a, an idyllic life. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. you know, so I, I think it, it it's, it's amazing. And, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because obviously because this is a TV show and I'm looking at you, I do know you have a physical disability. Um, but it was going to be interesting to me is if our audience would actually recognize it because you speak very well and you're very articulate and they're not looking at you. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we, we all have, you know, all have these biases that we have by, you know, what we see. It's, it's almost, I mean, I, I don't wish blindness on the world, <laughs> but, but it's, but, uh, you know, in some ways, you know, the world would be a better place if we, you know, judged people by what they said and what they did as opposed to what they looked like. Um, yeah, and, and it's interesting you say that because ultimately, to be inclusive, we want to be having a much more of an objective way of looking at, at, at people. And I, I specialize within the workplace so diversity and inclusion within the workplace. And if we're looking at things like talent acquisition and recruiting people, then you want to be doing that in an objective way. And you want to be doing that where you're kind of trying to mitigate against the effects of, of the implicit biases that, that we have. Um, one of my heroes within the kind of the sector is Verna Myers, who's, she's, um, she's written some really good books. She's done some really good TED Talks. You should get her on your podcast, actually, because I think she'd be an amazing, um, amazing guest. Um, and she, she's uh, an American 
uh, lawyer by background. She's now head of diversity and inclusion for Netflix. So she was really, she's been really informative in, in my career, in my kind of way of, of thinking about diversity and inclusion. And she did a really great TED talk uh, about bias. And in the TED talk, she says that, that biases are the stories that we make up about people before we get to know them. And I, I just love that, that, that um, description because like unconscious bias has been studied for like 10 years or so. There's plenty of academic definitions out there. Harvard's have done, you know, uh, you can go online and you can do the Harvard Implicit Association test. Um, but I just love the simplicity and the accessibility of Werner's definition of it's the stories that we make up about people before we get to know them. Um, and, and, and inclusivity or being an inclusive leader is about moving beyond those stereotypes, um, you know, not letting the assumptions or the presumptions trip us up as a leader um, so that we get to know the individual and we get to really know what their strengths are. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I like that definition of bias. It's the stories we make up before we know people. Um, one of the things at Total is we have an online course about diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, maybe giving away a little of this for people taking it. But at one point, you see a screen with like 20 people on it, and it asks you to click on the people that you implicitly trust the most, mm. right? Now, of course, you know nothing about these people, it, and it doesn't say you have an option of choosing no one. So it, it it makes you think that and like 99% of people choose people <laughs> and it says, you know, you have bias because <laughs> you just by literally looking at pictures made, uh, made, made up all these stories. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I do think it's, it's interesting. I, I want to share an idea. Um, I, I, have this concept that we are all the authors of our own life, that there's a story of who we are and we get to choose to be that author. We get to define our life and, you know, we can sit back and look at things where we failed and, and write a sad story about that failure, or we could change that from being a, you know, victim and, and being a sad person to, Hey, this is what I learned and this is what I gained, et cetera. And when we look at people and we have bias, instead of us writing a story of negativity, and by the way, a lot of bias, by the way, can be very positive, mm. right? You can look at somebody and go, that person looks very bright and intelligent. It's no different than looking at somebody and thinking something negatively. Mm. I mean, bi bias comes in both directions. But to always have bias that is of the sort that is going to support you like this is an interesting person this is a person i like to get to know more um because we can write and, and define that bias because we're it may and i'll let you disagree with me but i think that bias in itself is unavoidable it's how you choose to to create it coming from neutrality and positivity as opposed to shifting your mind to a negative bias if you see what I, yeah you see yeah. what i'm saying yeah i think what's interesting about implicit bias is that 
it's something that we all have as human beings because it's the product of um, partly the way that our brains are designed and engineered. It's, it's, there's, a, there's almost like a survival mechanism going on there. Um, you know, the reason why we have a similarity bias is because we like to, that, that I suppose we, we like to hang out with people that are like ourselves. We've, uh, it's comforting, it's safe, um, and it's, it's, it's how we've kind of preserved the human race, <laughs> you know? So there's an element of, there's an element of, of wiring going on. Um, we're also, we've also got biases through priming or social conditioning. Um, it's the what we're exposed to, the messages that we receive through uh, TV programs that we watch, the books that we read, um, the messages from senior politicians, senior business leaders, informative figures in our life like teachers and parents and things like that. So there's two elements of how bias is, is kind of created. But the thing is, it's bias is it's, it's automatic behavior. It's often um, unintentional. Um, and it's really difficult to spot within ourselves. Uh, often we can see it in other people or situations, but when we're in the thick of it, when we are making really difficult decisions, like who do we give the job to? Who do we promote? We've got this fantastic new client coming online. Who's going to get this career defining project with this amazing new client? It's when we're making those critical decisions that often we are kind of blind to our implicit decisions, decision making. Um, and so I think partly it's 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 just being mindful and, and being a lot more conscious of what's going on. Um, because this is all happening on this kind of other than conscious level. And we just have to try and be a little bit more curious and inquisitive and um, and figure out what's going on. Very well said. You know, it's interesting, and, and I, I haven't had this thought about bias in many, many, many years. But one of the things that I coach people is people develop a reputation, um, which is not necessarily bias per se. You know, it can be very fact-based reputation. But if let's just say for sake of argument, someone creates a reputation that is fact-based, but isn't positive, but just to use something very simple. Um, this is a person that doesn't show up to meetings on time. This is a person that's not responsive to emails. Mm. So there's a story that people make this person, the story maybe is a little not factual. The story is this person doesn't care about other people's time. This yeah. person doesn't care about them that if that person you talk to them and inspire them that day and instantaneously which is fiction but just say instantaneously they change and now they're coming to meetings and they're very responsive to email it takes a very long time to overcome that bias that was developed yeah because it takes that long for people to see someone in a different point of view yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, this I, I like what I was saying because there's I think there's different levels to this because there could be bias going on. Um but I think what you're also saying is that there could be some underlying beliefs that might need challenging as well. 
um, maybe it's beliefs that we have about ourselves or maybe it's beliefs that are directed at other people. So it's like, like you were saying about um, somebody who's uh, not on time. Um, you know, you what know. is the underlying belief around timekeeping? Um, and, um, but I think from an inclusion perspective, what I would like people to do is just get curious about what might be going on. Because for example, somebody who is always late to meetings, they, they may be neurodivergent. So they might have a neurodiverse condition uh, where, you know, that could be autism or dyslexia or dyspraxia or, or ADHD, you know, those kinds of conditions that might affect their executive functioning, um, which is things like timekeeping, meeting deadlines, that kind of thing. So as an inclusive leader, I would want to get curious to see what, what may be underlying, what, what, what kind of underlying it, it, thing is happening to affect that behavior. Need to improve your business results? Tortal's Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop might be just what you need. We partner with your business experts to identify knowledge gaps, determine training needs, and design a curriculum to help you achieve your business goals. We engage directly with the employees who have the most information to provide. The outcome of our Rapid Curriculum Design Workshop a detailed blueprint with curriculum goals and strategies on how to implement the curriculum. You know, I, I love the word curious mm. uh, because I think being curious is an incredibly powerful tool. Yeah. And, you know, here I shared a story and, you know, I presented sort of the concept of fact versus opinion, where I said a fact is the person comes in late. And then we form an opinion. And what you really pointed out is my bias, right? Because my first opinion was that they were coming late because they didn't respect people. Where in fact, if I was curious, I might find out that that person has some kind of executive function disorder that yeah. causes this problem. And it's it's not the latter. Um, yeah. And uh, that's a that's a really powerful, really powerful uh, concept you're, you're presenting. Yeah, um, and curiosity is is one of the traits of being an inclusive leader. Um, and the the framework that I kind of usually refer to when it comes to inclusive leadership was was created by Deloitte, and it's called the Six Signature Traits of Inclusive Leadership. And you can go and you can download the report for free from from the Deloitte website. Um, but in the report, uh, based on research, they've identified six character traits that makes a, a leader inclusive. And I think curiosity is probably one of the most important ones. So all my listeners want to know, I'm putting you a little on the spot. <laughs> what are the other five? So. Um, I'm going to have to Google it myself now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, if, I, I will open it up if we're talking about it, because uh, I can't remember them off the top of my head a minute. Just bear with me a sec. Okay, I will bear this, with this, you a second. I'm going to share, I'm going to share a funny story. This bit you'll have to edit out. <laughs> I'm going to share, I'm going to, 
actually, you know what we can do is, Mike, we'll just wait for him to, to, to get it, and then he can just respond to the question. But while you're Googling it, I'll share a funny story with you, which we won't put in the episode. I had a friend of mine that was constantly late his entire life. And one of our best friends was getting married at two o'clock. Mm. And I, I told him that the wedding was at 11 so that he would be there on time. <laughs> and, and he shows up at 1145. So he's late, he goes to the back of the church because there was an 11 o'clock wedding in the church. Yeah. And he said he was in the wedding for 10 minutes before he realized that it was the wrong wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and he was um, mad at me because I'd given him the wrong time. And I said, but I was right. You were late. So yeah. you made this wedding on time. <laughs> okay. Oh, did you, I've got did it you, open now. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Um, we're going to pause. Um, I'm going to pause. You're going to count to one, two, three. You're going to yeah. pause. That way the camera's on you. And then um, and then uh, from there, you can uh, just answer the question. So I'll stop. You mm -hmm. count. One, two, three. So um, we've actually talked about the first two already. So we've just been talking about curiosity, which is one of the six. Um, the other one is cognizance, which is just another word for being aware of our biases and our blind spots in the, the decisions that we have to make as, um, as an inclusive leader. So the remaining four are, first of all, courage, being able to have um, honest, frank and brave discussions. And I think there's a lot of fear when it comes to talking about diversity and inclusion. People don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to cause upset. They're afraid of using the wrong language. So often they tend to retreat uh, and avoid talking about difficult topics, um, which actually leads to people feeling excluded because they feel ignored or that you know they don't feel seen. So we have to have that courageousness um, as, as inclusive leaders. Going alongside the kind of curios curiosity and that courageousness is cultural intelligence. And this really is about wanting to know, first of all, about different cultures and different backgrounds and being able to confidently navigate those different cultures. And it's not just about cultures uh, between like different groups of people or different parts of the world. It's, it's often cultures within organizations as well. So like, I used to work for the BBC and BBC is a huge organization split. It's made up of like, I don't know, five different departments. Each department has a very different culture. So where I used to work in design and engineering, which is the, the techie part of the BBC, that is culturally very different to the people that make TV programs for children, which is a bit more kind of fluffy and artsy and, and creative. So as a leader in an organization like the BBC, you have to be able to navigate those different cultures. So that's what we mean by cultural intelligence. Um, the final two is, um, so our, the penultimate one is collaboration. And this is being able to collaborate across different teams. It's being able to, as a leader, help your team collaborate effectively. 
so that the you know the, the sum is greater than the individual parts of the team and then finally it's commitment and this is about having a commitment to diversity and inclusion it's about understanding the business case and it's about being able to persuade everybody else in the organization that it's the right thing to do that it makes business sense um, and that you're happy to challenge the status quo as well and push back on some of the naysayers that you might come across so in well, a nutshell though in a nutshell though those are kind of the six character traits uh i think they're they're very very well said and the last one really brings me to a question that literally was the first one i was thinking of asking you and i kept putting it off but i think it's one of the most important ones and i know it's right on your website um a lot of times people think that diversity equity inclusion is just about doing the right thing mm. and it is certainly the right thing in my opinion but it's also good for business yeah it improves productivity it creates a diverse set of opinions and gives companies a, a leg up my opinion yeah um, and i thought it'd be nice if you could talk a little bit about that uh, I'm just going to read this from your website as a lead into it because I think this is kind of cool. Create a positive culture that improves pro pro uh, productivity and performance. Mm. Yeah. How how does it do that? Um, in so many different ways. Um, I mean, it, it's been it's been statistically evidence that diverse teams um, make better decisions um there's evidence out there that diverse leadership teams um lead to more profitable businesses most famously it was kind of evidenced in three reports that mckinsey wrote so over the last few years uh, which are worth reading and that really kind of does give give some strength to the business case um a lot of my clients though they i suppose the things that they talk about and I suppose I can probably talk about this more from the heart, really, is that, um, you know, they talk about diversity leading to better creativity and innovation, um, which helps them create better products and services. Um, if people feel like they're in an organization where they belong and that they're respective to who they really are, they want to stick around. They don't want to leave the organization. And if people want to leave an organization that's going to cost the organization money because you know you've got the cost of attrition they have to be replaced so that you're going to save money there um a lot of my clients have very diverse customers and it's about it's really about mirroring the customer base and empathizing with the customer base to deliver a better customer experience to them so there's a whole myriad of benefits. Um, what I like to do is I like to try and get my clients to try and pinpoint one or two things so that they can hammer the message home from the top of the business and let that permeate throughout the whole business. Um, so I'll give you I'll, I'll give you some kind of real life examples of how this plays out. So I've been working with a professional services firm. And for them, it's all about having uh, a diverse consultancy team that 
delivers a, a much better, higher quality advisory service to their clients. Um, compare that to the NHS in the UK. So I work with the NHS, the National Health Service. Um, obviously, the NHS is, is free at the point of, of need um, here in the UK. Anybody can walk into a hospital or a doctor's surgery. And the, the NHS know that if the people working in the health service look like the general public, they're going to deliver better health outcomes for the patient and for the country. So that's, you know, that's their driver. Um, I worked with a, um, an electronics retailer. Uh, quite frankly, they just wanted to sell more fridge freezers on their <laughs> website, <laughs> on their website. But they understood that they had a very diverse customer base as well. Interesting. Um, we are running out of time, but you know it's very clear you are a true expert in this field and very knowledgeable. I, I think our listeners would love to know more about you and more about your company and what kind of clients you work with. Yeah. Um, so we... We typically work with organizations that employ more than 250 people. That's partly because within the UK, we've got legislation, the gender pay gap legislation, where companies that employ more than 250 people have to start reporting their gender pay gap to government. And we find that that's often a catalyst for organizations to want to, to really focus in on diversity and inclusion because the a they want to close the gender pay gap but then they realize that diversity is far more than gender as we kind of said at the beginning of the show that it's diversity includes everyone and it's about creating the right culture in the business um having said that our smallest client employs 10 people um they're a boutique change management consultancy um and we've just been you know advising their operations manager on how to um, improve their business processes and things like that. So we actually take a very kind of tailored approach to clients that we work with. Um, but we, we, we always link it back to inclusive growth. And that's why I wrote the book, Inclusive Growth, which is the first conversations that I have with clients is how do you want to grow as a business? And then how do you think diversity and inclusion is going to help you grow or accelerate that growth? Um, and then we start from there. And you do work with clients outside of the UK. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we don't know, we need to go through every country you've worked with. But, uh, you know, if you're listening and you're in the United States or you're in, in, in Canada, which is where most of our listeners are, although I should do an analysis to determine if how many overseas listeners I have. Right. <laughs> I'm really focused on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, anyone from any country, the concepts, I think, are are, are universal. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't you share your contact information, um, your website, your email address, how people could reach you? Yeah, I mean, the best way is go, go along to my website, which is mildon.co.uk, M-I-L-D-O-N.co.uk. And that's where do, you do, do it one more time because this people are listening. Sure. So, um, yeah, the best place to go is the website. So 
www.mildon.co.uk, M-I-L-D-O-N.co.uk. And that's where you'll get loads of information about what we do. And you can read case studies and you can um, find out more information about my book and um, listen to the podcast. And there's loads of like just free resources that if you just want to learn and uh, educate yourself. So that that's a good place to start. And then the second place is LinkedIn. So just connect with me on LinkedIn. We can chat on LinkedIn. Um, I publish every other day on LinkedIn content. Wow. So, you know, there's plenty of things to, to read and watch and listen to. And just as a reminder, Toby. Yep. Is the first name. <laughs> Always good to know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't, how many, how many Toby Mildens are there on LinkedIn? Are there many or just one? It's just one, to yeah. my knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Milton is not a very common name. Um and and when I when I was creating my company name, I was probably not in a very creative space. And so I just went, well, I'll just call my company Milden because I used to work for Deloitte. And I was like, if it was okay for Mr. Deloitte back in 1901 or whenever it was, I think that yeah. Deloitte was founded, then um, it must be okay for Milden. Uh, <laughs> also, it's not a very common name. So we get pretty good, uh, we get pretty good rankings on Google. Well, that's great. Um, so Toby, we always end the show with our guest sharing if i had one tip this is what it would be what would your tip be so whoever's listening to us right now um identify the most senior person in your organization who you think needs to get on board with creating an amazing inclusive culture for your organization and think about how you can start to broker the conversation with them and the reason why I say that is because inclusive culture uh, has to start from the top of the business it's really difficult to kind of manage this upwards or manage this from the kind of the, the, the middle tier of an organization it really has to be spearheaded from from the top I totally agree with you I totally agree with you. Um, and it, it's interesting because some people are frustrated. Uh, so I will add to your tip if it's okay, that change starts with each individual person too. Mm. So mirror, be, be, be the example. Um, yeah. But it, it companies need to see that senior leadership really believes and is taking the lead. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Toby, thank you for being a guest on the show. I want to thank my listeners. Without you, I don't have a show. And of course, I want to thank my great sponsors, C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio. Everyone have a great day. Training Unleashed is brought to you by Tortal Training, specializing in e-learning and interactive online training solutions for corporate, government, nonprofit, and franchise organizations. Tortal makes effective training easier. Just go to Tortal.net to gain access to real-world tools that can make a difference. That's Tortal.net, T-O-R-T-A-L, Tortal.net. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.